0: Father God, we give you thanks for this beautiful new day that you have made. We we'll thank you for your hand of providence in, in all our lives and providing us with daily bread, with uh, the sunshine, uh, with the roof over our heads, and most of all, for the provision of your Son, Jesus Christ. He's taken away our sins, who has reconciled us to you, and whom we worship now you are one true king of kings and lord of lords lord we ask that you would continue to instruct us in your word to build us up as your church to be strong and and faithful thank you that uh, lord you, you are faithful even when we faithless and so lord we, we take great comfort in your gospel promises to us be with us now by your spirit and we pray this in jesus name amen Right, so I think this is our third session in uh, the Trinity. But we looked the end of last year. We we started. Obviously, this is the series of looking at the doctrine of God. We spent two sessions looking at the Trinity, and the previous session we were looking at false teachings regarding the Trinity. Um, who can remember some of the heretical views of the Trinity that we? We discussed can cast your minds all the way back to December, which feels like a hundred years ago already. Modalism. Sorry? Modalism. modalism. Okay, yeah. And what what, what is modalism all about? Yeah, so like he's got a, one substance and then you, or one person with three different faces, basically. Yeah, that's the god of the shack, basically. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, what else, uh, what other ones can you remember? Yes, Arianism, and importantly, not Arminianism. That's, that's uh, something else. Are, are Arianism, what's... Can you remember what Arianism teaches? <laughs> Who are the modern-day um, versions of Arians? Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, Jehovah's Witness. So they teach that God is God, the Father is the true God, and then Jesus is basically his deputy, and he's a God, but he's not the. Eternal God. There was a point where He was created. Now, it's especially important to have Arianism in mind as we shift now to an important part of church history that was very uh, pivotal in regarding the doctrine of the Trinity, and that is the Council of Nicaea, which happened in three twenty-five AD in. A town called Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, and this council was called mainly in response to Arianism, which was being uh, taught by some presbyters uh, in the church at the time. Not a majority, a small minority, um, but it, need to do, it needed to be dealt with. Um, you know, also in mind was a the whole thing of subordinationism, which I suppose is implicit to Arianism, where there's first the Father, then the Son, then the Spirit, and there's sort of a rank in in the Trinity. Um, But they were also dealing with the issues of modalism. So all these things were sort of bubbling around the surface in the early church, and the church realized they needed to deal with um, the issues At hand, they needed to come to some sort of consensus specifically on the nature of Christ in relation to God the Father. And the long story short is that the council rejected modalism, it rejected Arianism, and it rejected subordinationism. And instead it affirmed that God is one, that the Son is, the language I use is consubstantial with. The father, or the, the Greek word, which was used as homoousios, homoousios, of the same substance. And it was this word that there was a lot of debate on, okay, because there was some, um, the, the Arians were saying, no, no, we've got to use the word homoousios, and the difference in that Greek word is one iota, literally it's, it's the I in Greek and that's a very important one letter which would have changed things dramatically because homoousios means a similar substance where homoousios is same substance and so they were saying that Jesus the arians were saying that Jesus is a similar substance of god in other words he's not god <laughs> he's something similar to him but he ain't god and the orthodox view prevailed thankfully um, and so that's why Homoousios is used. And so the, the council affirmed at the end of the day that the Father is, is God, the, the Son is God, and also importantly that the Holy Spirit is God too. It calls him the Lord and the giver of life, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. Now, the end product of the council was the Nicene Creed, and yes, there were, you know, there were, i don't to get into the technicalities, but the final version that we have today, it was worked on a bit for, for a couple of years, I think it's only 385 or something, that the, the actual version that we use um, was, was uh, ratified, but basically, it, was, it came from this council, and it's this creed which remains the authoritative statement of faith for the Church Catholic, which we mean the universal church, the main the three main streams of the church that's Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and the Protestant Church, all three branches of the Christian faith affirm this uh, creed as as a um, Accurate representation of Orthodox, historic Orthodox teaching of the Trinity. So let's read it because it's it's really important. We can we can unpack it, but so the creed declares: We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord. Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father of before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Okay, there's the, go at the Arians there. Begotten, not made, of the same essence, okay, homoousios in the Greek, as the Father, Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, accordance with the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. So let's unpack some key orthodox teaching regarding the Trinity. And the first thing that the creed um, affirms is the oneness of God. Okay, so orthodox Christianity is not... Tri-theist. We don't believe in many gods. We're not polytheists. We believe that God is one. And this is what it means to affirm the Trinity as well. To affirm the Trinity means that we affirm that God is one. We don't believe as contrary to the Muslims and the, the Jews who accuse us of worshiping three gods. No, we worship one God. And God has one indivisible essence. Okay, he doesn't have three essences He's one essence, as he's the only true God. He's the God of Israel, he's Yahweh, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is our God. And the Old Testament especially affirms the oneness of God um, throughout, and most uh, clearly through the, the creed of Judaism, which is in Scripture, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, the Shema. Okay. Heo uh, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yeah, very, very clear concerning the oneness of God. Okay, but it's not just in the Old Testament that the oneness of God is, is affirmed. It's obviously in the New Testament as well. Even though the three personhood of God is, is revealed um, explicitly in, in the New Testament, God's Oneness is still very much um, upheld. So, for example, uh, John 17, verse 3, the only true God in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, one God, Father of all things, and one Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, there is one body and one spirit and one Lord, one God and Father. Of all. And 1 Timothy 2, verse 5: one God, one mediator, Jesus Christ. So, are there any questions at this point? Okay, good. All tracking. Well, let's then turn to the second thing which the Creed affirms. It affirms, obviously, firstly, the oneness of God, but it also affirms that. God exists eternally in three persons. And this is also what it means to affirm the Trinity is that we affirm that while God is one he exists eternally in three persons father son and holy spirit. And so this is the where the major differences between us and Judaism and us and us and and Islam any other strict monotheistic and religions which will deny any multi-personhood of God. Now we believe this not because it makes sense to our rational brains. I mean, I we looked at this in the first session of the Trinity. This and this believing the Trinity, you know, to a big extent, is a leap of faith. Yeah, it doesn't make rational sense that one God can exist eternally as three persons, but they're not three gods, but it's one God. And we believe the revelation of scripture that has been given to us. And this is how God has revealed himself. So how does, how do we see this revealed in, in firstly, the Old Testament, because there are certainly hints of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Um. Key example, or right in the beginning of the first page of Scripture, Genesis 126, then God said, let us make man in our own image. Yeah, it's already pointing to some sort of plurality in God. Hell, Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Yeah, it's obviously a messianic psalm going to Christ and his, and, and, uh, as the Messiah and the divinity of, of the Messiah. Um, well, Daniel seven thirteen. Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient days. Yeah, it's an incredible vision of, of, that Daniel has of this divine Son of man approaching the ancient of days, and i mean there actually there's so many examples of this uh,